when you're at the age that you're in a nursing home, I am of the firm belief that you can do whatever you want. Same. I also <laughs> like, feel that way. Like if you're like, I'm Jewish, I want communion. I say go for it. I'm Anne McNamee Keels. And I'm Stephanie Shavera. And this is Lapsed, a podcast about growing up Catholic. Today we're going to try something new, responding to some listener letters, some questions and comments from listeners. I can't wait. Me neither. I'm very excited for this. I've always been a fan of mail. Same. Oh, yeah. yes. Even as a child, mm-hmm. the most exciting thing. I remember um, meeting a group of girls my age on vacation one year, and I was convinced that we needed, <laughs> pre-internet days, it was so sad. I was convinced that we needed to start this <laughs> chain letter where we yes. would each write a letter to the whole group, and then we'd send it to the next person, and then they would write a letter, and we'd keep sending it. Oh, I love it. And I remember explaining this to people and like no one was as excited. Like the girls were like, okay. And then I got home and was like explaining it to my mom and she was like, all right. And I had a babysitter, God bless her, who was like as excited as me and was like, oh my gosh. And helped me calculate was starting to think through like if you received it and then sent it out on the same day and then everyone did that, you could probably get it within a couple weeks. Where does everyone live? And it was very (gasps) nice of her. These were also public school kids I had met out in the world in Michigan. So you must have been very excited, living dangerously. From what it sounded like, they took school buses to school, which I did not do. They did not wear uniforms. It's a whole other world. (laughs) (laughs) Like we must keep in touch. I need to learn everything. I didn't know a lot of public school kids. They weren't around me. Oh, yeah. I might have felt the same way had I met a Catholic school kid at that age. I've been like, oh my gosh, what is happening in your little world? I hope so. Why are your classrooms so small? Actually, after our communion episode, I had a couple people I know comment that they were so jealous when the communion dresses would go up in stores because they wanted one. Really? Yeah. I was like, someone should have told me like, this is so special. You get to wear a special dress. I don't know. I didn't feel that at the time, I don't think. I think I was pretty excited about the dress, but I don't remember them going up in stores necessarily. Me neither. But I've never been a shopper. I don't want to be in stores ever. No, we went to like a special store for mine, but there probably were like in department stores. I bet there oh, were. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I think now there are. Especially in Catholic heavy areas. Yes. Right. Yeah. I mean, the Easter dress situation is pretty intense as it is. Yeah. I did get jealous when we lived outside of Detroit was the first time I was near like black churches mm-hmm. and the hats that would go up in stores. The, oh, yeah. The hat spectacle was I wanted all of them. And I was very jealous about the lack of hats in our church, for sure. I can see that. I guess if we had been pre-Vatican too, at least there would have been some type of covering. The little doilies that women wore on their hats don't seem <laughs> as exciting as like no. a straight up like beautiful church hat yeah crowns yeah only the men get hats in the catholic church that's true the older men always wore hats and took them off Mm -hmm. as they entered and popes (laughs) and popes get little (laughs) pope hat but that's a very (laughs) do it just for the hat i guess (laughs) do bishops get hats i'm trying to think yeah the yeah they're called miters right oh look you were paying attention in ccd hey you you want to know actually i know that mostly because it's always in the crossword puzzles oh Catholicism comes in handy in crossword puzzles. Speaking of the Pope, 
stuff. Yes. How did you see where Francis was very recently? Oh my gosh. For Catholicism in the news, I was going to bring it up, but I was like, he's in Slovakia. I thought of you right away. I almost texted you and then I thought, save it for the pod. Oh, please. I know. I just saw that the other day that he was there and I was like, yes, my Slovak friends. He was in Bratislava, I believe, Mm -hmm. talking about reaching the people. Mm Mm-hmm. He was talking about being creative as opposed to being defensive. Ooh, I like that. With the gospel. I know he referenced St. Cyril, the first saint to translate the Bible into Slavic languages, the Cyrillic alphabet. And it was really poetic, of course, because he does that. Mm -hmm. What did he call it? He's like, he wants to find new alphabets to proclaim the faith. And I was like, that's such a cool phrase, new alphabets. I do like that. And he talked about the Brothers Karamazov, which is one of my favorite books too, uh, talking about giving humans freedom instead of like, I don't know. I was all about reaching people, like basically what you're talking about, his new way forward that he's talking about. But I don't think any of my family got there. They're on on the other side, basically, Mm. in Kosice. You have family in Slovakia like that you're – you're in touch with yeah my dad is really close he talks to them often and then there's a well I don't know what they are to me exactly like second cousins third cousins I don't know how it all works but sure twice removed we keep in touch through letters and they oh. you know yeah so we nice. got to go visit them a few times oh. when I was in my teens it's beautiful over there it sounds amazing that's very cool I mean I certainly have with Irish and Polish roots kind of but um I've been to Ireland on my own but my family is not connected with anyone in those countries so I love that that you're still connected with your family there it feels very special and yeah yeah going there at the age of 15 and seeing it all for myself having heard uh, when you said Slovak in the 80s in school, no one knew what you were talking about, mm-hmm. right? So they'd be like, you mean Yugoslavia? I was like, no. No. And some people still think Czechoslovakia is a country, which is maddening. Mm-hmm. Or like, yeah, Slovak. Right. Like, no, Slovak, Slovak. <laughs> I'm Slovak. And But I was like, maybe I am making it up since no one else seems to know what it is. Oh, that's sad. But then I got to go there. I'm like, I didn't. It's real. You're like, it's real. It's a real place. Well, I'm glad that you saw this lovely stuff that the Pope said. I saw some of that. And I also, because I am always this person, I also, I was excited to read the news coverage. And I saw some stuff that was very exciting. And then I saw some stuff that was disappointing in the way I think that the- Bring bring me back down, Anne. Bring me back. The church always <laughs> is for me. And Francis kind of <laughs> exemplifies that. So um, he visited with Roma people while he was in- Ah, Yes. I did not see that. Yeah. So they are um, an oppressed minority for Mm -hmm. a long time. So on the one hand, this was from AP News. It says, Francis acknowledged Slovakia's Roma had long been subject to, quote, prejudice and harsh judgments, discriminatory stereotypes, defamatory words and gestures. Great. No, sure. Great. We're, We're naming it. That's great. And even misunderstandings on the part of the Catholic Church. I think misunderstandings... You're almost acknowledging that maybe the church has done something bad ever in the past. And I don't know a ton about the Roma people, I'll be honest, um, except that they're an oppressed minority. I mean, I was definitely taught to not trust them. See? I mean, yeah. No, this is my understanding um, mm-hmm. of the stereotypes. Um, mm-hmm. and- oh, the whole like, 
be careful on the streets because they'll toss a baby at you and rob your pockets when you hold the baby. That was definitely a story Mm. I was told. Yeah. Wow. An unwanted group for sure. Well, so it's interesting because then, right, so he says misunderstandings on the part of the Catholic Church. And it says like his visit could help change attitudes among Slovakia's majority. So that's exciting. But then he goes on to say he urged the residents to think of future generations and trying to overcome their own prejudices, obstacles, and longstanding mistrust of the Slovak majority and try to integrate better so their children can have a brighter future. Hmm. Which the narrative of if you oppress people would just integrate a little better and you know you're kind of you're kind of prejudiced against those people who are oppressing you too this is not a new narrative no this is not a new narrative for the catholic church no it's like the oldest narrative from the oppressor right we're gonna come in and oppress you and then we're gonna tell you hey we're actually not so bad and maybe it's the problem is you and if we just, you just let us educate you. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, ew, like ick. Like I read that and just, it's everything uh. we're talking about right now in the U.S. talking about history, right? If you're looking at enslavement and if we're looking at genocide of Native people, like it's every, it's every oppression globally has basically yeah. been that. The oppressor, the colonizer coming in, destroying things and then being like, hey, you shouldn't, uh you're actually kind of prejudiced toward us and maybe you should just assimilate a little more. Uh, so that felt disappointing to me. And it's also, you know, the Roma peoples are not tied to place, right? Mm-hmm. They're not from a country. So a lot of it does remind me a bit of indigenous people and in, peoples in America too. Like they have their own nations and own ways of being inside of a country that came in and colonized their land, right? Mm-hmm. Or places they already lived. So they live outside of the rules that we've instated in the places that they exist. And so it's, I don't know, it's just, it, it feels like they've we've contained them in a way. I don't know how to explain mm-hmm. what I'm feeling, but it's just, <laughs> I don't know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, here, but yeah, no, when you displace people and kill yeah. them and persecute them and, and then come back and say, hey, you just need to, oh, I mean, For Pope Francis to, on the heels, not even on the heels, in the currents, inside this reckoning of looking at all the children who died at schools for indigenous children where children Mm -hmm. were forced to go to schools or their parents would be imprisoned and or basically like kidnapped from their parents and put in schools and many never saw their families ever again. The church is currently reckoning with that. There's There's a conversation happening. So to literally, while that's happening, say, hey- you oppress people. Maybe you should just assimilate more. Like it feels so deeply tone deaf. Mm-hmm. And exactly opposite of what we were saying he said last week, which is yes. like starting by listening. Yes. Yes. Also, there was a big press conference on the plane. Yes. Is that about Biden? That came up. Okay. It is fascinating reading about it because he's literally fielding questions about countries around the whole world. Like. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine having to be that up to date on everyone's politics? That's the thing. It is a lot. And so obviously he doesn't feel like he's as well versed as like a politician would be just dealing with one country. But he seems to know a good bit about most Catholic majority or Catholic majority ish countries. Mm -hmm. Not even like the U.S. is not a Catholic, but countries with a large Catholic population. So that's impressive. I mean, he goes from like talking about Hungary to Spain to, you know, maybe somewhere in South America. And then he's talking about the U.S. 
It's a lot of stuff. Yeah. And he's 84. So, you know. My brain is not working that well. I know. In my 40s. I know. So he did say something. I don't remember if this was um on land or in the sky, but he did say at one point, like, I appreciated. <laughs> Hopes by land. Hopes by sea. <laughs> I appreciate him saying one quote, uh, the cross is not a flag to wave, but the pure source of a new way of living. That a Christian views no one as an enemy, but everyone as a brother or sister. And he says, how often do we long for a Christianity of winners that is important and influential, that receives glory and honor? So saying that's not what this is, right? It's not a national flag to wave. It's not. Right. I think what it's been so much is, right, with colonization is like, we're the winners. We're the mm-hmm. ones with power. So I appreciate him trying to push back at that issue. He So on the flight, for sure, someone asked in the midst of a bunch of things about stuff all over the world, someone asked about U.S. bishops wanting to deny Biden communion, deny people communion around the issue of abortion. He says that he has never denied anyone communion, except he has this weird tangent where he's like, I've never denied anyone communion. Uh, one time I was like at a nursing home and I said, who wants communion? And everyone raised their hand. I gave him communion. And afterwards, this woman told me she was Jewish. <laughs> like that was pretty weird <laughs> but he's like i'm still gonna give even if he knew beforehand he's like i'd be giving her opinion. i don't know he sort of does it he's like she didn't tell me till after it was kind of weird but anyway like he just goes out on this side <laughs> i'm sure that's happened to many priests it's just very funny to me that he whoops accidentally gave this jewish woman communion anyway we're gonna he's on. at a nursing home and i do feel like when you're at the age that you're in a nursing home I am of the firm belief that you can do whatever you want. Same. I also <laughs> like, feel that way. Like if you're like, I'm Jewish, I want communion. I say go for it. I, I was sneaking my grandma little sips of wine for the moment she was in a nursing home. She's like, I want a little bit of wine. I go, you you're know like, what, right. lady? You get what you want. <laughs> anyway, uh, so he, he kind of says that he's never denied anyone communion. He does talk about handling issues pastorally rather than politically. But, yeah. But I mean, he does say like abortion is definitely murder. Scientifically, zygotes are people. Ugh. And but he said uh, he mentions like, oh, you know, in such I don't even remember such and such country birth rates really went down when abortion became legal, which a is kind of. I mean, listen, people who have abortions go on to have other children yep. in much more planned ways where they are much more capable of taking care of those children economically and, and so situationally. So do you know how many of us, how many children and current adults like wouldn't be walking the earth right now if their mother had not had access to an abortion previously and mm-hmm. then been able to go have the family they wanted? So like that whole argument is stupid. And also... This idea that the goal is to just have as many babies as possible. I don't know where that comes from. (laughs) It feels so agrarian. Yeah. I need people to work my land. So I need children. (laughs) If you have a giant farm and you need a bunch of workers, but like very few places function that way globally now. And or like, what was that? You saw that movie Jesus Camp, I'm sure, right? Oh, Forever ago when it first came out. Yeah. But a lot of that was like, have lots of children so you can make them Jesus warriors. Mm-hmm. That's like the quiverful movement, which is a whole yes. other thing. Yeah. Yeah. So those comments about abortion, not surprising, obviously. 
but very disappointing. And uh, I like, yeah. I, I just feel like he always hedges the line. And like, I guess I appreciate that he's not saying, like, yes, deny anyone communion who even thinks abortion might be okay sometimes. But like, also, it's just, it's frustrating because people are listening to him. Now so. I'm back in my turmoil place. I know. I just Francis. got excited to see the word Slovakia on the news. That was really my moment. I was excited day. for you, honestly. I was like, Steph, <laughs> <gasps> he's in Slovakia. Everyone oh. gets sauerkraut. i love sauerkraut when we stayed in my family's apartment in slovakia i got up or someone in my family got up in the middle of the night to get a glass of water and knocked into something and we woke up like gagging on this smell because it was the sauerkraut container that was like (laughs) fermenting and they like knocked the tip off of it the top off of it so like the fermentation of cabbage like was like we can't breathe it's here (laughs) we're done (laughs) My husband was making sauerkraut randomly for it was like one of his COVID hobbies, you know, at the beginning when we were all. Uh, oh yeah, and, and um, my very good friend's mom was very excited. She's Slovak, actually. I'm just realizing, and she was like, "Oh, oh hey. I used to like." She was like, "My mom used to make sauerkraut. It was such a big deal." I mean, I'm Polish. We also do the sauerkraut. Yeah, I weirdly craved sauerkraut um, while I was pregnant. Yeah. Ooh, it was like a pickled thing. That makes it sense. It was really, yeah, it was delicious. The other thing beyond Pope Francis I was going to mention too. Oh, is in that, the news? Well, this is in my personal no. news. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Tell us. I recently saw my like favorite lapsed Catholic musician in concert. My first concert in a very, very long time. Do you know who it was? Can you guess? Favorite lapsed Catholic? No. It was Alanis Morissette. Oh, yeah. I forgot. Yeah. She's a lapsed Catholic. That's right. So it was the Jagged Little Pill anniversary tour that I was supposed to go to uh, last summer, but it was canceled because of COVID and it happened. It was an outdoor concert. So I went with a bunch of my uh, Catholic school friends, Catholic high school friends. Uh, We went to to see Alanis Morissette. I love it. Well, and it was funny because so it was the Jagged Little Pill anniversary tour and she has a song on that album all about being catholic basically yeah the one that starts you know how as catholic girls can be yeah we make up for so much time a little too late like (laughs) hard relate (laughs) i hadn't somehow not seen the video the video is this beautiful piece where there's a solo dancer dancing in this really pretty catholic church and my my friend mary who's like my catholic school friend i mean my friend since I was a baby. We grew up across the street from each other and did communion together and all those things. She also happened to be at the concert, not with me, but she was there. We had just texted and realized we were both going to be there. And she texted me during the song. It was like, is this going in the podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is. I mean, I was just thinking about it. So I am a Alanis Morissette fan from from way back Jacket Little Pill came out when I was a little young. I was like 10. But like as I got older, Mm -hmm. I feel like Alanis was right in front of me about stuff and I felt mm-hmm. I don't listen to a ton of music but I've always loved Alanis's music I always felt like she was sort of like singing about the thing I was dealing with other than when I was 10 that was not accurate yeah. uh but when I realized she was Catholic I was like well that all makes sense and my friend Mary said that when she that she had seen that video when she was younger and it like blew her mind and a song really critical of the Catholic church and this dancer kind of dancing in this violent way in a church that she felt like she had to hide it from her family that she was watching it scandalous mm-hmm. I understand that feeling yeah of being like oh this is something bad my grandma canceled cable when Madonna's like a prayer came on MTV she's like that's it no cable <laughs> <laughs> that's some mm, but yeah it would be interesting just to think through like catholic cultural references 
Oh, yes. Like, that pop could be. culture. I would love an episode about that, please. That would be fun. Okay, great. Put it on the docket. So you got all the listener questions, yes? I did. I have three that I really want to dive into. Yes. If you're ready. Oh, I'm ready. All right. So first question. This is from Anonymous. It says, Ann and Stephanie, thank you so much for this podcast. I've listened to other ex-evangelical podcasts to deal with my religious PTSD. There are more of those out there. Um, Mm -hmm. But it doesn't feel quite right. Listening to the two of you talking about growing up Catholic feels like therapy. Oh, that's so nice. Uh, I may be turning into a fangirl, but I wish we could all hang out in real life. I had a half Polish Catholic family in tents and a half Irish German. Um, all now in AA, except for the one that still drinks. Good for your family going yeah. being in AA, though. And went to a very strict Polish Catholic elementary school where my mother, who actually was a nun for many years before leaving and marrying my father, wow, uh, was a teacher. Lots to unpack. Hearing you talk about how the CCD kids would always mess up your desk had me screaming. Uh, question. Did your Polish family also write something in chalk in the door frames at Christmas? Like KLM, maybe? I think it was a blessing from the priest. Maybe had to do with the three wise men, but I never understood it. Mm. That is also reminding me that my grandparents had actual holy water fonts installed at the front door of their house. So we had to bless ourselves on the way in and out. <gasps> Thanks again for all of it. This is anonymous. Oh my gosh, the holy water thing. Are you even allowed to do that? I guess. Yeah, my grandma had a holy water thing oh. on the wall, a little one. I think mostly for her. <laughs> Maybe she needs a little blessing. Everything, all the time. This was like the most sort of like logistical question, which I liked. Just like, hey, do you remember this thing? Right. Are you familiar with this? I don't remember the chalk, but so – for in Slovakia, um, like New Year's and is it Three Kings Day mm-hmm. is kind of bigger than Christmas in a lot of ways. Mm. And I started a tradition a while back where I had like people over for New Year's as like a peasant's feast where you'd sell like a lot of pork and sauerkraut way to celebrate the New Year's. Ooh. The tradition is something about how like how you can feed a lot of people with like your cheapest ingredients sort of oh. like we as a community can get through this hard winter together so that's like a that. sort of folk tradition mm-hmm. but then we I can't remember how I found out about it, it was that through family or friends putting a quarter or a nickel at the door when you enter and then taking it again when you leave was a way to like ensure process there's there's so many traditions about money it's ridiculous it's all very superstitious yeah but you know you got to eat your greens so that you have money which is also like a southern tradition in the states mm-hmm. but uh yeah something about like putting money in shoes and money at the door um and getting it back i don't know if it's catholic but it is eastern european for sure as we talked about with Kay, it kind of all gets mixed up together right because everything was co-opted and appropriated but yeah well i don't know about the polish and do you know did you write anything on your door no i don't remember this personally but mm-hmm. it sounded like vaguely familiar it was like you know when you feel like there's some kind of deep memory lodged in your brain and you're like oh yeah that's something like that's something mm-hmm. i remember kind of specifically from like the polish parish where like my grandma and great grandma went to and my I Mm -hmm. went to school there and my mom worked there so anyway I googled it it's epiphany door chalking this is from stvincent.edu so I don't remember if that was a that's a good one uh yeah the practice is called chalking the the doors because priests traditionally would bless the house and then use the chalk to write above the main entrance the specific year separated by the letters cm and b 
So like mm. for 2021, it would be like 20 plus C plus M plus B plus 21 uh, for the blessing. The inscription is applied as a prayer that Christ will bless homes so marked and that he will stay with those who dwell there throughout the year and with any guests who may cross their threshold. And the letters stand for the Latin blessing Christus. Oh, I did not take Latin. Uh, Christus mansionum benedictat, which is may Christ bless this house. That sounds great. <laughs> According to legend, the names of the Magi were Caspar, Melchior, and Balthazar. Melchior, yeah. So CMB is also, and they symbolically represent Asia, Europe, and Africa. So it's all these. Oh, okay. Every time I hear these kinds of things, I'm kind of like, I want to do that. I know. Well, it's all that folk Christianity. I've been using that phrase more and more frequently. I'm like, that stuff I'm into. I am also into it. I got very, especially with kids, like I feel like it's fun to have tradition. Mm-hmm. Like I got kind of into our, you know, at Christmas time nativity. Mm-hmm. It's fun to do stuff like that. Something when I, when you have kids, you just start doing traditions. I don't know what it is. That just reminded me. I got in a fight, not a fight, but a little tiff with somebody out at an airport recently because they wanted my chair and my bag was in the chair next to mine and I was like they're like just put it on the floor and I was like I can't put it on the floor because when I was in Bulgaria like I got yelled at so much you cannot put your bag on the floor because you invite poverty and bad luck or something so I like completely freaked out on this person I was like you can't have my chair my chair needs its own my bag needs its own chair I was like, I did not realize how much I like ingrained that superstition in myself. Yeah. I remember putting, um, in India, I put books on the floor and people, like I would put a book on like, the floor, I'd accidentally touch up your barefoot all the time and their desks are like low. Sometimes you're like sitting on blankets or doing stuff. Anyway, like if my foot touch a book accidentally, it was like a big um, faux pas and people would, I think they would kiss their hand and touch the book Oh, because I had done something that was sort of like sacrilege and someone was like, well, yeah, you learn from them. You need to have respect for book. I appreciate that. Yeah. And then I felt awful. <laughs> 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 yes. uh, yeah. The stuff that we sort of, this is just like the not drinking holy water, right? This idea that uh-uh. something gets so ingrained in you that you don't even think about whether it makes sense or not. Lo- logically, it just right. gets stuck in your mind. We have all those things we don't even think about. Mm-mm. All right. Well, thank you, listener, for writing in. That was a great question. Thank you. I appreciate mm-hmm. that. Yeah. I, I would love to delve into any other traditions that people yeah. like, did you do this? Was this just my family? Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. These next two are a little more hard hitting. So Okay. So this is from a self-identified cafeteria Catholic. I'm having difficulty reconciling with the fact that I don't believe that the church is correct in every issue. I feel like there are certain parts that were man-made and man-orchestrated. This doesn't seem like the church that Jesus intended. Papal infallibility only goes so far, i.e. indulgences. We have talked Mm -hmm. about that. Uh, How do I pass the faith on to my kids? How do I talk about sex with them? How do I share what I believe without feeling like I'm sending them to hell in a handbasket? Well, it's okay when it's just affecting myself and my partner, but I worry about how to have these hard conversations with my children since I don't want them to hate the Catholic Church or be faithless since faith has carried me so, so far. But I feel like I have to delineate RCC and my faith in Jesus Christ. Am I a freaking Protestant now? (laughs) It's followed by three question marks. Uh, I still believe in the true presence, but this whole quote, all these rules are what Jesus said is law, quote, to me is bullshit. This is signed Annie. Great name. (laughs) Yeah. I have got so many thoughts. Uh, I mean, I feel like 
the man-made laws thing. I feel like that's even more present in Protestantism sometimes. I mean, I know they're much more connected to like Bible study than Catholics are. Mm -hmm. But I guess I guess I'm just talking about evangelicals maybe. There's just yeah. so much in there that feels completely disconnected from kindness, I guess. Oh yeah. Well, if you're looking at evangelical, yeah. Yeah, I would not <laughs> I would not recommend any Catholic move toward evangelicalism. Right. But my gut feeling about that is thinking about as a teacher, mm -hmm. right? And also currently I'm in training to be a foster adoptive parent mm -hmm. and we're talking a lot about how to talk to kids about their reality mm -hmm. right especially when they're very young so what's age appropriate and what's what's developmentally appropriate for a kid is very you know it's not always you can't always give everybody the whole truth all of the time but lying has never worked for anybody mm -hmm. <laughs> and I feel like giving children doses of both sides that is mm -hmm appropriate for their age is the wisest choice to let them make their own choices because I think that's a lot of what goes wrong is like for me at least and I think a few few other people you're raised Catholic so you're told you have to be Catholic because mm -hmm. that's your only option and so that cage is something to break free of it's it's a boundary and as a I mean for me I wanted no boundaries at all right and that's sort of developmentally kids are supposed to push back on them so I think to engender respect and truth I guess I don't know it's figuring out what's like a little bit of good and a little bit of maybe don't I don't know, maybe this is something the church does wrong, like giving both perspectives at all times so that a child has both sides of the coin to to look at. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think I'm thinking similarly to you. And obviously, I've, I have kids and I've taken one path with this, but I'm not raising my kids Catholic, but I don't think that's like the choice everyone should make. Mm -hmm. You know, kids are smarter than I think we often give them credit for. I do think it's important to differentiate when we're teaching kids, like what are things that we know to be true, like two and two is four, or like tomatoes grow from a seed versus things that are bigger mysteries and conversations that mm -hmm. we are grappling with ourselves. Kids need a parent to feel stable in terms of like, I am able to take care of you and I am able to handle your big emotions and mm -hmm. I'm able to, you know, I'm not going to be shaken when you have a tantrum, that kind of thing. So a, a parent needs to feel stable in those ways. But I think a lot of us as parents and as adults just in kids' lives, sometimes like I know I can get stuck where then I feel like I need to seem like I know everything. Yeah. <laughs> and I think there's a fear for parents that if they falter, if they look like they don't know everything, if they say, I don't know, or if they say, you know what, I used to believe this thing and I changed my mind. Or if they say, hey, I reacted to this thing or I said this thing to you in a conversation earlier and I've been thinking about it and I think maybe I was wrong. I think I've changed or apologizing to your kid. Um, those are all things that you can do if you have a strong foundation with your kids, which I'm sure you do, because I think it's important for kids to see that their parents are also human beings who are grappling with these big questions. Mm -hmm. I don't know. She doesn't say how old her kids are, but like, I think you can absolutely involve your kids along in this journey with you. Mm -hmm. And 
be honest about it. Be honest about this is why I continue to practice Catholicism because these parts really provide me comfort. Saying a rosary is comforting to me or going to church and hearing the same words every week is comforting or I love our community. Mm -hmm. But these are the parts I don't personally agree with. These are the parts that some people in the world and also I think it is important to give kids context for religion of like, here's what other people believe. And personally, I think it is important to let kids know that ultimately religion will be a choice for them. Right. And as you're talking, I'm thinking like, so on the one hand, I am really, really grateful I was raised Catholic because it gave me a sense of culture and identity that I enjoyed, especially as a transient kid. That I was like, I can hold on to I'm Catholic always, no matter where mm-hmm. I, I live or something. You know, it was, it was an identity. I loved that. I loved the culture. But it is it is often all religions, I think. I could be wrong about this. But a lot of it is taught to children as though they are infallible. Mm-hmm. And then when you grow up thinking your parents are infallible, then you find out they are. And then like devastates a kid, right? Mm-hmm. But if you model, like you're saying, that I'm questioning or sometimes I don't know, then that devastation can be lessened. So I I think there's a way of talking about the church and saying, hey, mistakes were made. And are continue to be made. <laughs> so the Pope still says things that sound very problematic. Yes. Even on the God aspect, right? Like, I was like, did the plagues have to happen? Or, or did, did they even happen? We're talking about what is true in the Bible. But like, was that the right way to teach people something? Uh-huh. I don't know. Yes. It is coming back, Steph. You and I taught a program and I oversaw a program at one point that had to do with critical literacy, right? Mm-hmm. Where we were bringing, using the, the power of theater uh, to, to bring <laughs> stories to kids that were myths, legends, also true stories stories, you know, biographies, short biographies mm-hmm. of people and all kind of all kinds of stories. And then there was the the descriptive part where it was about cognition and kids just understanding what the story was about. But the next piece was analysis. We were inviting young people, you know, eight, nine, 10 year olds to look at like who has power in the story. Why do you think this story was told? What would happen mm-hmm. if this other person told the story? What do you think would happen if this group of people told this story? Who does this character remind you of in the real world? Do you think they should have power, right? Right. I think that's the stuff we can be doing with kids. And I'm going to recommend a podcast for this person. Oh, great. There's a Facebook group called Raising Children Unfundamentalist. Oh. And it's a lot of Christian parents who are trying to steer away from fundamentalism. It's a lot of ex-evangelical folks, but there are some former Catholics in it as well. And it's called Parenting Forward with Cindy Wang Brandt. She's a parent and she interviews a lot of people about mostly kind of progressive Christianity and children, but kind of more generally about parenting and children and religion. That podcast, I believe she has a book and the corresponding Facebook group are just a great place to think through like with other parents, sort of how we grapple with this stuff with our kids. You know, I think if you're trying to remain Catholic, I would suggest to someone to be open to shopping parishes. I know Catholics often don't do that. But is there a parish where you feel like the priest and the people in charge and the people running Sunday school or CCD or, you know, doing any mm-hmm. programming, the school, if you're if you're sending your kids to Catholic school, like is more in line with your worldview, are more open to people who are cafeteria Christians and, and only believe parts of the doctrine. Personally, when I was looking for how I was raising my kids religiously, it was important for me to find a place where I felt like I could put our values out there and the people in charge were going to say it was fine. 
where I could say we kind of are mixed in terms of like how religious we are. Mm -hmm. I'm very much someone who is interested in, you know, other religions outside of Christianity. I recently told the head of children's religious education at the church that Max said he doesn't believe in Jesus. And she just laughed and was like, that's fine. That's fine. We really where our focus is on loving other people and talking about what and who God is. And we're not worried if they're believing in the doctrine or not. And that's important to me that I am at a place where I can trust, especially with my kids, that I can trust the adults who are in charge of talking to my kids, that they're going to be okay with my family's values. So looking at other Catholic parishes, there is a um, there is a website now where you can look at supposedly like LGBTQ affirming uh, Catholic churches. Have you seen that? Oh, no. Do you have that link? It's called newwaysministry.org. And I can link to that in the show notes. Among other things, they have a way to search by state and you can find LGBTQ affirming parishes and Catholic organizations in your area. That might be somewhere to look if you are looking for a Catholic church that might be more progressive, that might be more in line with your values. Personally, I had good luck as a, I was definitely a lapsed Catholic by the time I had kids. I had good luck finding a home in a non-Catholic church, and I had very little experience with non-Catholic Christian churches. Once I had kids and wanted to find a faith community that I thought aligned with my family's values, that's just where I ended up. Mm. I also married a non-Catholic, so I think that probably swayed me. Maybe if I had married a Catholic, we would have looked. There are a couple parishes around here that are known for being more progressive. So maybe I would have looked there. Right now, one of the main reasons I suggest looking around is that a lot of churches are doing online services. So Mm. it's very easy to be able to just do a sneak peek of a church's (laughs) service without having to show up. So this is a great time if you are even considering looking at other faith communities, whether that's mainline Protestant or Unitarian, although that's probably not Christian enough for you if if you're into more of the Catholicism stuff. But this is the time to be able to see inside churches without having to leave your house. There you go. I hope that helps. I hope so, too. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is don't be afraid to take your kids along on your journey with you and include them to whatever degree they're able Mm -hmm. in the stuff you wonder about and ask them questions. Ask them what they believe. Ask them how they imagine God. Give them a little bit of vocabulary. Find books about other religions, other religious holidays, because I I think those things all have something to teach us and help like broaden kids' minds and and understand Catholicism within the larger context of the world instead of Mm -hmm. seeing that as, like you said, this box that they're in. Right. All right. Last question that I have for us for today. This person identifies as a lapsed Catholic slash cafeteria Catholic slash it's complicated. (laughs) So they say, I've been actively deconstructing for two years, questioning a lot of Catholic teaching for five years. Some background on me. I grew up as a cradle Catholic, went to Catholic school K through eight, was heavily involved in church through college. We're talking mission trips, youth group leader, interning at a monastery in the summer, et cetera. Wow. Yeah, that's for real. That's more real than I feel like. I am a Catholic. Yeah. Um, I don't believe in anything I was taught growing up Catholic anymore. Oh, wow. But everyone in my immediate family does. If anything, they've gotten more intensely Catholic as I've distanced myself from the church. And it's made it really difficult whenever I talk to them or go to their home to visit. My mom and sister both teach in Catholic schools. And most of my parents' friend group are from church. It's so hard for me to see them still buy into beliefs that I consider so toxic now. 
They're not pushing me to go back to church or anything. It's just so pervasive. Any advice for interacting with them? And they signed this bumblebee, which I like. Bumblebees. All right, Steph, what do you think? Hoo-wee. This sounds, I could be very wrong about this, sounds like it's still fresh-ish. I feel like I've learned over time that it's okay to take space away from people Mm -hmm. or time and space away from people if that's the healthiest choice for you. For the longest time, I tried to tough things out or fight for relationships that were not good. And I've learned, and I know a lot of friends who've learned this as well, that sometimes you just need to step away for a while. I'm pretty convinced at this point that you can't change anybody's mind. (laughs) You know, people can only change their own minds and fighting and debating never works, which is why I never watch any news regardless of the platform um, until television news because I don't like people fighting. I don't like mm-hmm. debating because I don't think it works um, because no one ever listens. So you're you're not going to change anyone's mind in your family. I I don't think that's going to happen. All the the only time if people see you living happily, they may want to emulate you, and then they may come to you and ask you questions. Mm-hmm. My brother, when he first left the Catholic Church, he went to an extreme way of Christian that really antagonized my belief system, my inner belief system. And I fought with him a lot at first. And then I just stopped. I had to stop speaking to him for a little bit. And now he's Mm -hmm. come to a place that he believes differently about a lot of stuff. And he's mellowed immensely in some of his more dogmatic beliefs. But for a while, I was just like, I don't even know how, I don't know what to do. I wanted to change him and I I couldn't do it. And it was hurting me a lot to have Mm -hmm. those conversations. So I I just had to stop it. And that was really painful, but it was less painful in a lot of ways than the fighting part of it. If they're not trying to change you, I don't know. My part of me is like, Try not to engage, like try to avoid the conversation if you can. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. My first thought was something, the same kind of place you started, which is like, I think healthy boundaries can be really important. And I think sometimes we do get to a point in life as adults where we realize that it's okay to create our own boundaries and make our own rules about what role our family will have in our lives. Mm -hmm. I don't know where this person is. I don't know if they are partnered or have their own children or if they're, you know, I think I know personally creating those boundaries was tougher for me when I wasn't partnered and didn't have my own family because like we said, holidays, like all those things, there are places that our culture says you're supposed to be with your family in these ways. And when that's your family is your family of origin. Right. But found families are really valuable. Absolutely. And I think we do. I think there's this myth that our family is either our family of origin or then we have a partner. We get married mm-hmm. or we have a long-term partner and that's our new family. But I don't know what place this person is in. Maybe they are partnered. Maybe they have a bunch of kids. Who knows? Um, <laughs> but even if you're not partnered, it's okay to find other found family in those places where you feel like, okay, now I'm going to be obligated to be with my family on this day or I'm, I'm obligated to interact with my family in this way, you can make a different choice. That's not to say never to see your family again. We don't have the information of how often, but she does talk about like 
her parents' friends are people from church. So it seems like I would imagine you have to be with your family a good amount. I would imagine right. live near them and see them a lot to kind of be running into your parents' friends a bunch. Mm-hmm. It's okay to create boundaries and to experiment with boundaries. I think when right. it starts, it's like, what does that mean? Maybe it means if you talk to your parents every day on the phone, then maybe it mm-hmm. means texting on some days and only talking once or twice a week. Right. Maybe it means, are you forced to be at family events? Do you do Sunday dinner every week and maybe you stop doing it every week? Or are there certain right. holidays that are really triggering for you? And could you split your time and only go to that holiday for an hour and then say, oh, you know what? I'm in a, I'm meeting up with some friends. Yeah. I'm thinking about that conversation we had with Kay because I was still, I'm like, but how do you do it? How do you stay engaged with the Catholic church when mm-hmm. you don't identify or or I thought, you know, they didn't identify with things. But the way Kay named it was just by saying they didn't – they just said no to those people who mm-hmm. – like, no, I just choose not to listen to that part. Yeah. Not every person who claims to be Catholic, you know, is right. I So I, I think – I don't know. Maybe listen to that part of our podcast again because I think <laughs> you put it really, really well and opened my eyes to the possibility of – that you can say yes to some of it and mm-hmm. that's okay, right? That there are people who interpret things that – that doesn't mean you have to accept what they interpret. Oh, and I'm glad you said that because actually for our second question, I think that's yeah. good advice for our that listener as well who's asking about how to raise her children in Catholicism that there are other Catholics – I would listen to that interview with Kay and that there are Catholics who have other values than what the the church doctrine is in a lot right. of spaces and still identify as Catholic. Can you connect with other families? I don't know where you live or if there are other families. Can you but could you connect with other families who kind right. of are in that space and and just normalize that for your kids that people even within a religion people have different beliefs and these are my personal beliefs right. and you get to make those decisions for yourself as you grow up. My Catholic guilt is eating at me, so I just have to clarify something. I feel like I sort of said something about my brother, and it wasn't the whole truth. So I want to, like, say that because I love him dearly, mm-hmm. and I think he's a great man. Um, I think he's doing a very good job being a good dad, too. And that what he – that moment for him was in his late teens, early 20s, and he was experimenting with some identities, I think, himself. But I just, wanna say, I just need to, like, say this out in the world in case someone in my family is listening. They're like, what about your – what about – I'm like, no, no, no. He's a great person, and I love him so much. There was just a moment. Steph loves her brother. Uh- <laughs> I think we all have that. And I think most of us, whichever directions we went in, there are so many directions to go in. A lot of us, when we're younger, are sort of experimenting with our values and our beliefs. And yeah, I feel like with the internet, it's easier to kind of see what's out there, maybe in good and bad ways. When I was younger, I was just like, what are even, what else is there to believe? Like, you know. Right. Kay talked about Wicca. I was like, well, I guess it's either, it's Catholicism and Wicca. That's all there is, right? Like, yeah. you have so- options when you're younger. And now there is a lot more, I think, for both of these listeners. There are so many resources out there where you can connect with other people in these same situations. Mm-hmm. Even just on Reddit or Facebook, I know there are communities there for former Catholics. That's a great place to go for this listener, I think, to go on Reddit and Facebook and find these. If you search like former Catholic, because it sounds like this person does not identify as Catholic at all anymore, um, you right. will find 
people who have all, you know, people who now are atheists, people now who are practicing other religions, who are curious about other religions and grappling with these relationships with their family. Think about where the boundaries are. And something I I feel like I've had this idea and I've had so few opportunities to use it because we're still mostly in our houses during lockdown. But, you know, I don't know if also I think this does get more complicated when it becomes kind of like political differences Mm -hmm. and things that really feel hurtful to us if someone says something but are there moments sometimes instead of disagreeing with someone where you can ask someone a question about that and just say oh I don't like tell me more what you mean about that Mm -hmm. which is hard because sometimes you don't want to hear it but I think it can open a conversation if you you are in a place where you feel like you want to engage with your family to listen to what is the value system that's bringing them to a place even if you're coming to different conclusions maybe you have similar values I think there's also just a place to say like to have in your pocket to just say huh yeah I don't share those values and then you don't have to explain yourself yeah it's like yeah you know I think about that differently or I don't share those values. So it's like clear that you, depending on what the thing is, I think sometimes you can just leave it at that. Mm-hmm. So that when you are at the Christmas dinner table or wherever, and you are having to engage with people, what are ways to just kind of, to be able to voice your difference of opinion without it turning into a debate. Mm-hmm. But most importantly, you need to feel that you are also respected as well as you respecting other people. So as long, if you are not being respected for these belief systems, then sometimes it is just like, maybe I need to not be here. Yeah. And if it's stressing you out to be around your family, your experience and your mental health is important. Yeah. So If you are around your family a ton currently with the way your life is set up and you feel anxious a lot of that time, it's okay to make changes in the way your life works Mm -hmm. so that you are not in person with your family as much. Right. In the short term, that can feel like, oh, I'm not being a good daughter or sister or whatever. But in the long term, if it means preserving your relationship with these people, then you're actually doing everyone a favor. I just wanted to share it wasn't a question but a friend of mine I work with we work at a school together in western Ohio um, texted me after one of our podcasts and I asked if I could Mm -hmm. share the text because I was laughing really hard they were not raised Catholic she grew up Presbyterian but all of her friends were Catholic but she said (laughs) she got in a fight with her dad screaming at each other over Paul's letters to Corinth I asked him when I was about 10, who read the letters? Who was in charge of that? The mayor? The head pastor? I genuinely wanted to know. He shouted at me that they were letters from God to the Christians, and that's all I needed to know. We yelled for days. I'd forgotten about it to your podcast. (laughs) A letter from Paul to the Corinthians. (laughs) She thought again, about it more than I did, honestly. I was just like, <laughs> okay, sure. I don't know who the Corinthians are. It's fine. Right. But that anger, especially from like, going back to some of your questions, like from a parent, when a kid asks you something you don't really know the answer to, you're like, I don't know, just accept it. Leave right. me alone. Well, poor parents. Our poor parents did not even have Google. So they either yeah. had to make it up or say they didn't know. And yeah. there was a message that if they said they didn't know, they would sound like they didn't know anything. Right. Now we have Google. <laughs> You can Google and maybe get some opinions of some theologians right. of who all were- we had were the Encyclopedia Britannicas and they didn't have That's- everything. <laughs> didn't. They didn't. Oh, I love that. Right. Well, I'm I'm I hope uh, some of the memories <laughs> we stir up aren't so uh loud. But um shouty. But I actually really appreciate that because it's something I it was a conversation I always had in my head, but never had out loud. Uh-huh. I was just like, but who and why? And I just thought of someone being like, 
a letter from Stephanie to Pittsburghers. And I'm like, well, who, but, <laughs> ha, but what? <laughs> I wanted to know the logistics of it. <laughs> they didn't even have, they couldn't email it out. No, there was no Reddit board. Maybe they put it up on a wall oh, somewhere. Walls. Did someone read it out loud or did they just? Hear ye, hear ye. They said, oh, hey, got another letter from Paul. And then everyone crowded around like like a cast list in high school. Yes. <laughs> Oh, the stuff you don't think about. I wish they talked about this. Honestly, that's the stuff I would have been interested in, in religion class. Yeah. What did it look like for the Corinthians to be excited because this letter had arrived? And what were they wearing? And what did people eat? And what was plumbing like back then? Well, apparently the Corinthians were all drunk. So they're having a grand old (laughs) time. Didn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, this is not all of the questions we received, so we will continue to respond to listeners. Thank you, everyone who has reached out. I'm really grateful to our listeners. Yeah, and please continue to do so. Mm-hmm. And thank you to all of those who joined us on our Instagram Live that we did. That was so much fun. So on our Instagram Live, I gifted Steph a surprise of these candies that are kind of like communion wafers with sprinkles inside did you share with your husband did you try one yeah i brought a whole bag down he he consumed a whole bag by himself i was like i don't oh. you're gonna get a tummy ache and then my parents Big came fan. into town last weekend and i shared them with them and we snacked on them occasionally my mom was very flabbergasted by the styrofoam coating uh-huh and my dad was very he didn't want to have them i think he thought they might be a little sacrilegious i'm not oh. sure too much like communion yeah he did he's getting very into the fact that i have a i think he just thinks it's a catholic podcast so he's sharing some stuff with me that i'm saving up to share with you later but he's super into it you're like fulfilling his dream but i love what he's sharing it's some weird stuff (laughs) i'm excited (laughs) that'll be a whole episode oh yeah conversations with stephanie's dad yeah um so yeah so folks follow us on at laps podcast at all the social medias mm-hmm. if you're sharing with us on social we had a catholic joke in our last episode and i just realized i want more catholic jokes Ooh, send us your catholic jokes i will put a call out on our social maybe people can respond with some catholic i'm jokes. starting to collect some and i want more i want all the catholic jokes so please send us some catholic jokes or any religious jokes i'll take any religion at this mm-hmm. point Mm-hmm. Uh, the refugee crisis is still pretty intense mm-hmm. and there's a few things you can do but of course a major thing right now is not even donating but contacting your legislators because we've created our country's created a refugee crisis and now people need sponsorship for flights coming over here I watched something uh, recently saying it's like it's costing people to get in the country Mm-hmm. So uh, just, you know, saying we want to get more people on flights over here, contacting legislators or Refugee International. I've donated to them before. Of course, right. continue. We will also continue to investigate. All NGOs need to be taken with a grain of salt. Um, so we'll make sure that we are we're looking into those. Or if you have any information on anything that we've ever talked about that you're like, maybe not them, please do let us know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, Thanks, Steph. Thanks, Anne. This was great. And thank you, everybody. This was a great conversation starter. And it's like my brain whirling. Same. Yeah. Uh, Well, Steph, and also with you. Also with you, Anne. 